bienvenidex tu merendeando. And today is such a special episode because we had a chance to talk to Ophira Caleb. Ophira is a theater creator, writer, performer, producer, a beautiful opera singer, a wonderful human being who has an upcoming show. Yeah, literally Titanium coming to next stage on January. Please be sure to check it out. It sounds like an amazing, amazing show. Yeah, you'll hear all about it in this episode. Because in this episode, we talk about the show. We talk about creating theater for all different kinds of bodies and all different kinds of people, uh, especially the disabled community. And we also shout out to Lizzo. So you should probably listen so that you can hear us talk oh. about that. Yeah, and we shot this episode on a Taco Tuesday, so we had amazing tacos from Como en Casa. Very tasty. They were big, generous tacos, and um, I had nopales in it, and I really liked the beans. So, grab a taco, sit back, relax, and have a listen. Welcome to Merendeando! Ah, and today is really special because... Uh, it's Taco Tuesday. It is literally a Tuesday and we are literally eating tacos. And you know what's the best part of this? What? We are here with Ophira. We're here with Ophira Kalov. Ophira Kalov. Wow, what a gift. <laughs> We're very excited about it. I'm very excited to be here. Ophira, now that we have you here, please tell us a little bit about you and how amazing you are. Yes, please. Ooh, pressure. Um, well, I am a... Writer, performer, and producer here in Toronto. Um, I am disabled, and a lot of my work really explores uh, illness and disability and various intersections uh, with those identities. And uh, I co created the sketch comedy show Generally Hospital. Oh dear, that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I, I am in charge of the Real Abilities Film Festival comedy programming. And my solo show, Literally Titanium, is uh, going to be premiering at the Next Stage Festival this January. And we will all be there. Literally Titanium. We're very excited to talk to you about this show. So tell us about Literally Titanium. How did the show start? Literally Titanium started as a bit of a thought experiment. Uh, I realized that anytime I talk about myself, I talk about like, oh, you know, my body just like doesn't want to function today. Or, oh, my body's like this, my body's like that. Um, and I realized that that was a little bit of an interesting thing. Uh, my body's so central to me as it is for all of us. Mm -hmm. um, and especially with things like accessibility and dealing with, with the medical system. It's very central in my day-to-day -day life. So I wondered if I talked about my body all the time and complained about it, what would it have to say about me? So I started creating a show that was from the point of view of my body. Um, and because I quite enjoy comedy and music, uh, those feature prominently throughout the show. Oh my god. As I kind of deconstruct, it's structured as a comedic cabaret of how my body feels about me and the life we've lived together. I love that. So you, because I know you, you started this at Buddies. Yes. So it started as a 10-15 minute piece? Yeah, so the original idea of it, I sort of presented 
is 10 minutes at the U of T Foot Festival. Mm. Um, and what then is, I... Oh wait, foot? What does that stand for again? It is the Festival of Original Theater. Okay, yeah, at, at the university. Cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there was a cabaret evening there, and I just sort of tested out the vague idea um, and then brought that in my uh, submission to the Buddies Emerging Creators Unit, where it became flushed out to a 20-minute piece there. And now it uh, has become almost an hour long, so it's growing. (laughs) You said it has music and comedy. So, I mean, let's talk about that. Because, like, I hear that you are a opera professional. Is that what's happening? <laughs> well, I trained I in opera for most of my life, yeah. um, I guess would be the most accurate way to put it. Um, and I went to university for opera performance. So originally, I really, comedy wasn't, uh, wasn't really a part of my artistic practice. It was mostly opera. Um, and then today, I don't really um, pr- uh, practice opera professionally, but I incorporate it here and there uh, into my work. What was your voice range? Like, what was your type? Oh, definite soprano. Yay! Um, probably. Soprano power! Yay! Also a soprano. Amazing. Um, yeah, so you, you did opera for that. That's amazing. And so then what brought comedy into your sphere? So when I was in university studying opera performance, I started um, developing symptoms. So I have a, a connective tissue disorder that I had my whole life, but it got a lot worse and really started affecting me during my university years. Um, but the thing about the arts is that or at least my experience of the arts, uh, was that you have this mindset of pushing through Mm -hmm. um, and really committing to overcoming, staying with your craft. So I got to the point where I could barely hold my head up, but I still, for some reason, was like, no, I can do this. I have to do this, um, and ended up falling on stage during an opera. Uh, It was very dramatic. I was playing a nun who was getting beheaded in the French Revolution. Um, And then... uh, As you do. As one does uh, in opera. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I fell on stage and that just really solidified uh, that the structure of the program and the structure of opera just was not exactly compatible with my body at that point in time. And so then as time went on and I got diagnosed, I started wearing a neck brace using a wheelchair and began to sing again. I found ways to, that my body could support sound again, but I realized that no one would cast me. Um, there aren't really many rules, and especially in a field like opera, that really looks for authenticity and casting and more traditional outlooks. Um, there's not exactly a character in an opera who wears a neck brace or who uses a power wheelchair. So I started creating my own content because I wanted it to exist in the world and I wanted uh, opportunities for me to perform it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The words like authenticity and casting is very interesting to me. What, where are those from? (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to be polite when I say it. (laughs) (laughs) Opera is a very uh, 
And I think not just limited to opera, but um, there even in opera specifically, I wasn't even allowed to wear my glasses on stage because in the 18th century, they didn't wear glasses. So there's this really big insistence on um, recreating something exactly. Um, In opera, you breathe when you're supposed to. Like there are specific moments in the in the music and in some ways like I do think there's something beautiful about bringing something very carefully crafted to life um but there kind of wasn't space for me in it um because the people who wrote those operas and the stories those people were about are very specific you know either it's a sort of you know a cishet man's point of view um, and their point of view of other folks. So if there is a disabled character in opera, they're usually evil or they like overcome their disability by the end of the opera. Um, It's not in ways that are authentic to lived experience. And so it makes it very incompatible then Mm -hmm. with lived experience. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to Generally Hospital because I... Because I remember when I met you, you were just rehearsing for it. And it was like this fun thing that you brought some friends together. And then it blew up into an amazing thing. So how did General Hospital start? And did you imagine how far it was going to go? I had zero concept. Um, Generally, Hospital started when I was in the hospital for two weeks. And one of my friends came to visit me. And I was just telling her about all of the ridiculous things that were happening. My roommates were these like very, uh, <laughs> very interesting characters with, you know, like ringtones and family drama. And there was a whole world happening in there. Um, and I, I said like, oh, I wish I wish I could make a show about this. Like, I feel like there's a sketch show here. Um, and she was like, yeah, so do it. Like, we can do it. No problem. Sometimes you need that friend. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no one no one will be interested about comedy in a hospital. Like, that's <laughs> not that's not a thing. Um, and I guess it was. We kind of, the cast was amazing. We really just, like, created it together. And we're trying to do things that made us laugh and made us have fun. And then had a moment of complete terror the night before we opened. Um, our opening song is like this jazzy number called like everybody's gonna die um, <laughs> Sounds dark. yeah but like we were very cheerful about it of being like don't even worry like we're all gonna die like it's fine no stress um, and we had this moment of terror of being like oh my goodness like we find this funny <laughs> but mm. will an audience and will they will they even come And what was amazing is not only did they come, uh, they also really seemed to enjoy it and really reached out to us afterwards. Um, And we also seemed to tap into a little bit of a newer audience because we added in a bunch of access features into Sketch. Uh, We had a relaxed performance, an audio described performance, and an ASL interpreted performance. And it was really incredible to see community members from each of the communities that those um, measures served come out and support the show um, and be a part of that festival community. 
I remember watching the show also <clears throat> and doing shows with you, how you also implement your chair. Even like it, it even feels like a character itself, <laughs> which I always find really amazing. Like uh, in General Hospital, there were so many like choreo with the movement that your chair can do that I was like, this is amazing. Like it plays so many other things that just helping you move. Yeah. I always try in my work to show an audience just how, how cool my chair is. It's cool. Right? It's cool. <laughs> I tried to jump in the back once, but it, it didn't work. It, it, was, <laughs> it was a little risky. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it like it elevates, it tilts back, the legs come up. Um, to me, the my wheelchair has enabled me to perform. So I I'm ambulatory. Like I can walk bits and I do within my apartments but I can basically like walk enough to get out of my building before I'm at the point where it really starts to interfere with my ability to function so not exactly great for performing a full show on stage um whereas in my chair I'm fully supported I can zoom around I can do all sorts of things and I really like sharing that with an audience because I think a lot of people see a wheelchair as like a sad thing There are words like wheelchair bound, uh, which is like, oh no, like I'm stuck in this chair. Um, whereas for me, my wheelchair is this really beautiful thing that allows me to do what I love. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's like this very slick, like black, shiny kind of number. <laughs> it's I'm... called Stormtrooper. <laughs> it's called Stormtrooper. That's it. You're like, winning. that's the brand. Okay, <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I didn't name it, <laughs> like, the name of the wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, so now you're working on this solo show. Literally yeah. Titanium, yeah, and it incorporates all these things. So that sounds really, really cool. And who wrote the music for it? Like, So we're using existing, existing songs through Literally Titanium. It spans, there's a bit of opera, a bit of musical theater, a more than a little bit of like 80s music because that seems to be uh, a thing that I'm drawn to yeah. <laughs> Love it. and some more contemporary stuff too um yeah I really wanted to use existing songs but reframe them in a way that kind of made sense uh for me and my body and how is it to be a part of the next stage festival lineup Oh, it's very exciting. Um, Nerve-wracking. It's such a cool festival. There's some amazing artists. Uh, one of the things that we're really trying to do with Literally Titanium is create sort of a disability-centered space mm. and see how it's possible to do that within sort of a broader, more structured theater festival. So there's a lot of experimenting happening, both in shaping the script. We're really looking to have the script be informed from a, dis from a disabled perspective. Um, I'm going to be like taking breaks throughout the show and getting some water. Every single performance is a relaxed performance where the audience will be free to come and go as they need to, to use the washroom, uh, stretch, move around, um, which I kind of established at the top of the show. And so it's really, it's really exciting to work with Next Stage and kind of see within a festival that is, like it has to be structured because there's so many, so many shows. Um, 
to see what we can do within our space to really open it up to um, to a disabled audience who maybe engages with contents a bit differently. Yeah, because I mean, something I've been thinking about quite a bit is like, yeah, there's structure, but there's so much structure in what you're saying too. It's just like a different structure. And <laughs> it's maybe a little bit subversive to like the things that we're used to engaging with in like major or mainstream art. I don't, you know, like yes. the idea of like it's starting right at two o'clock and ending right at three fifteen. I mean, is pretty pretty hopeful even for like people who like to be on time because like theater generally wants to start but you know I don't know there's there's so much I I personally find a lot of um like joy in seeing work that is like human you know what I mean like 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 caring for the body you know and I find that uh, yeah relaxed performances really do that Instead of, like, shock value because, like, you have all the money to put the projections, like, okay, but, yeah, like, caring about the people who are actually in the audience, that's, like, seems like that is what, a, a big part of my experience of being in relaxed performances and stuff like that. And making it accessible, but in a way that is not, like, it's accessible, but inviting. Like, yeah. it's, like, it's safe. Just come, oh, we'll have a blast if you feel like you need to pee at any moment, yeah, you can do it. Like, yeah, I mean, theater is supposed to be enjoyable overall. Um, I really, I really take issue with the idea that anyone should be suffering for their arts. So I don't think that performers should be in a position to be suffering, um, and I don't think that we should make our audience suffer in any way or you know, have to put themselves in positions that are unsafe for mm -hmm. them or really cause, um, you know, like that physical discomfort. I don't think that, at least for me in the way I practice, I don't really see a reason for that. So as much as possible to to create just sort of that low stakes environment of we're all, we're all here to connect with each other in some way, shape or form. We're here to share a moment together so let's let's do that yeah and talking about making your shows accessible or uh providing uh more like show descriptions and uh Asa, uh how do you negotiate with the companies like how much is you trying to put this and the company help you because i know also when people try to, companies are trying to do their shows more accessible it's also about the money I mean, that's what they say. <laughs> yeah. But like, that you have experienced a little bit more, like how the, is it managed? Yeah, it is. I'm not going to say that that it's simple or easy. Um, with something like Next Stage, there's sort of this, uh, the work that's happening on our production side and then also work that's happening on Next Stage as they're trying to really bring a lot of these elements to the festival as a whole. So there's a lot of back and forth in between what we're trying to establish for, for our specific show experience and then what they can support as a broader festival. Um, in general, I think that the more, the more companies that, that make this commitment, the easier the process will get. Mm -hmm. um, most of the work on my ends with companies has been a lot of education and a lot of um, just like figuring out details that once they're figured out, 
For example, uh, Generally Hospital was the first closed audio described show at Fringe in Toronto. And then now at Next Stage, two different shows are going to be audio described. Mm -hmm. And the process for doing it is a lot more streamlined because they've had that chance to, to work it out. So while it took a lot of time and effort with Generally Hospital, it then becomes a lot simpler going forward. Um, so I think there's also access is such a such a complex, multi-layered thing, like even little things. Um, for me, I check in with the festival about seats, you know, whether they have armrests and what the measurements are, because different people, mm. like for example, from the fat community or for a variety of reasons, that makes a difference mm -hmm. uh, as to both their experience and whether or not they can come. And it's such a simple thing for a theater to just say, like, these are the chairs we have and to see if they have any other options if those chairs don't work for folks. Um, but you have to know to put that information out there. You have to know that somebody might be looking for it. Well, it seems like it's a lot. And just for the, with the example of the Fringe Festival, like your show introduced that new concept. It seems like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. It seems like a lot of work for, for it to be, a, I guess, for the lack of any other word coming to my brain right now, like a pioneer. Yeah, it seems like a lot of work. Did you sign up for it? Do you like to do that? <laughs> like, you know? I always, I joked with, uh, I recently did a show that was um, a lineup of all disabled performers, and I joked that we all in our, in our own sort of artistic practices ended up as like reluctant trailblazers yeah. um, <laughs> like we were all like oh do we have to Storm trooping through the trail <laughs> i know such intense imagery yeah. <laughs> mm. we're like oh yeah it's it is it's a lot of work um but i think for me at least at this moment in my practice as much as it like sometimes really frustrates me and i feel like this is work that everyone can be doing so it would be nice for us to share it all together um i also do feel equipped to do this work uh, at this point in time and i believe that it's important work to happen so it's kind of i i fluctuate in between going like ah you know it would be nice if this wasn't if this wasn't me and also like why hasn't this happened before mm -hmm. a lot of this is like fairly easy to to start thinking about and developing that framework. Uh, but then the other side of me feels at least like it's really, it's a really wonderful feeling when I create a show and, and audience members come out and like connect who maybe haven't had the chance to uh, really feel safe in a theater space before. Well, you don't have to answer this, but I'm wondering like given your experiences of having to like set these new boundaries and introduce these new techniques, um, what is there anything that would make it easier for you for people who are not in the disabled community or disabled community like what would be something that you'd like to see more of from them Ooh, that is a great question um, us from us <laughs> uh, I mean allyship in general is such a powerful thing right now for next stage two of my friends um, Alia Razul and Sabrina Friedman who uh, we're both part of Generally Hospital, are helping to produce, and they're, they're producing literally titanium, which has been an incredible experience to just have that tangible support um, to help work through, um, work through these issues as they come up. Uh, the biggest thing is 
is listening and it's like active listening. Often I feel like I'm in a position of trying to convince folks in theater that um, access is important and that making change will help everyone. Uh, so I think the easiest thing for me is when someone approaches me and says, hey, I know this is important um, and maybe offers you know, to pay me to consult or to um, is looking for recommendations for other community consultants uh, with the idea that like, yes, this is a priority as opposed to we like build a whole festival or we build a show and then afterwards are like, oh, whoops, accessibility. We forgot about that. Because um, when it's just accepted as an important part of the process the whole way through, it makes it so much easier. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, there's so many things I could say. I like think that's really great. Thank you for sharing that. I like, you know, I'm just, I think there's so much about the body that is wrapped up in capitalism. I, I dropped it. I said yep. it. Yep. So it's like, you know, yeah, it's like if you can't function this one way, you're not valuable. And it's so painful and stupid. So I feel like if you create like a, a group experience that embraces like different types of value and putting air quotes around it like it really some people are gutturally opposed to it <laughs> yes yeah. yeah that's where conversations about cost come up a lot um and just the idea of is it worth it um but then we end up in situations where we don't even we don't even think about it because we don't see it or consider it I fully agree the the concepts of value for a body and I as someone who like grew up um, at least believing myself to be able, like that was my, my understanding of myself growing up until, um, my symptoms progressed to a point that I kind of had to grapple with it. Um, when I first started contemplating the word disability and disabled as my word, I was like, oh no, 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 that's not me. Like, that's fine. Like people are disabled and like, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with being disabled, but like, I'm not disabled. I do things like I have, I contribute. I, you know, I have value. I have value. Like I'm not disabled, but like if you're disabled, you know, that's fine. It's just not me. Um, Which was so much internalized ableism because I really equated what my body could do to how, um, how I'd be valued, which is, yeah, yeah, it's very sad. It's kind of what the show's about um, a little bit, literally titanium. But I think that the more, especially in the arts, you know, like the arts, theoretically, the foundation of it is that we, we value the stories we can share. We value the perspectives and emotions and experiences that we can bring and share with each other. Um, and that's a human thing. That's not a, uh, that's not a how many hours can you stay in rehearsal or like, can you climb mm-hmm. three flights of stairs? Those things have nothing to do with each other, mm-hmm. or at least ideally they shouldn't. Yeah. Totally. You are so talented. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that because you do a lot, like you do comedy, you sing, you're an improviser. You're such a good writer. Like I know you have helped written like opening songs for shows. I'm like, you're amazing. (laughs) 
You're so good. I mean, my selfish brain is like, do you want to sing something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so the, on your Instagram, mm-hmm. you have your or horizontal singer? Yes. Yes. What is that? I started, um, it was, I was having like a really bad flare that had gone on for about three weeks and was feeling really... That thought of just like, oh, if I can't go out and like get onto a stage and, um, you know, build this whole show, like, what am I doing? What can I do? Um, and then as a joke, I took a little clip of myself. I was lying down and I went like, um, tell them how I am defying gravity. <laughs> And then oh just, God. like, flipped my phone up to show that I was horizontal. Um, and that kind of started. I was like, oh, yeah, I can sing horizontally. If, if I can't get out of bed, um, I can still I can still sing. So I started posting little clips of myself um, and mostly in the context of relating to uh, things to do with chronic illness and disability, like taking songs and putting them in that context. Uh from bed. <laughs> What's your handle? <laughs> yes. I'm ophira.c. Okay, well, it's in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it is. Go get it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. What are some artists that are inspiring you right now? Like, what are some, some other artists or even, you know, things, pieces of art? I don't know. What is inspiring you right now in where you are as an artist? So... I just got back from a a show in Winnipeg that was uh, by a theater company called Sick and Twisted. Mm -hmm. And I was brought in there to be part of this cabaret that was um, all deaf and disabled artists. And the show was called Sex and Sexability. So it was deaf and disabled artists creating work that had to do with sex, uh, which is not something that I had ever seen before. Yeah. Um, and I got really inspired by the um, the idea of interdependency that was really um, in the disability community in general. There's a phrase, the future is interdependent, and that was really manifested through that show. Um, I think we, we think a lot in, in the arts about independence of ownership, which mm. again comes back to capitalism, the idea that we have a product that's ours that we can then sell. Uh, But that's not actually how humans work, and it's definitely not how art works. Uh, We are, we all uh, grow from each other. We all influence each other in different ways. We are interdependent. So at that show, like, I would show up, and somebody who, like, a biped, which is, like, a a walking person, someone who's not in a wheelchair, would come and clean off the wheels of my wheelchair uh, if they were wet and just make sure that I could get into the space. And then, you know, I brought my wheelchair charger for someone else who had forgotten theirs. Uh, They fed us all. Everyone really cared for each other um, and each other's access needs in that way, which has been really inspiring me as sort of a a model to move forward on an interdependent model. And also, if we're talking inspiration, like obviously Lizzo. um, (laughs) Lizzo. (laughs) I love it. I I mean, I just like, I feel like we can't have a conversation about like current inspiration in the artistic sphere. Yes, we'll put it in the show notes. (laughs) Have you heard of Lizzo? (laughs) 
song? Oh, I mean, right now, because it's very relevant to my show, so I've been listening to it, Soulmate has been coming up a lot. <laughs> I don't know it. I'm sorry. I only listen music from the 2000s. Early 2000s. Soulmate. <laughs> We can't use it because copyright Whatever. infringement. Oh, no. no. She likes us. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we're being complimentary. <laughs> go buy her album. <laughs> and uh, while you're at it, also book a ticket to go see Literally Titanium. Yes, what are the dates for the show? Ooh, it runs from January 8th to 19th. Um, there's six performances during that, uh, that time frame. And just to note, so they're all relaxed, but we're doing two different types of relaxed performances. One sort of a typical one where the lights are up and audience members are encouraged to use like fidgets or any um, sort of sensory devices. And then another modified relaxed performance where the lights will go down and that's a bit more suited to folks who maybe need a lower sensory environment. But throughout both of them, the door will remain open. You can come and go as you need to. Um, and we also have our ASL interpreted performance on January 15th and two audio described performances, uh, one January 18th and one January 19th. And what space is it in uh, Factory? It's the Factory Studio Theater and the space is going to be adapted a bit so that there's a lot more ground level seating and folks can enter um, smoothly through the lobby to their seat. Yeah, it's like very close to the ground level. Thank you so much for having us in your lovely home. It's great. It's Thank great. you so much for coming here and bringing food. Oh my goodness, tacos. Oh yeah, we had tacos from Como en Casa. Uh -huh. So please make sure to check that out while you're, having, while you're listening to this podcast. Bye. Radio Luna Teatro is produced by Aluna Theater with support from the Metcalf Foundation, the Laidlaw Foundation, the City of Toronto, the Canada's Council for the Arts, the Ontario Arts Council, and the Toronto Arts Council. Aluna Theatre is Beatriz Pisano and Trevor Schwellness, with Sue Ballant and Gia Namens. Radio Aluna Theatre is produced by Camila Diaz Varela and Monica Garrido. For more about Aluna Theatre, visit us at alunatheatre.ca. Follow at Aluna Theatre on Twitter or Instagram, or like us on Facebook. Follow and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts.